G'day Cobbers, and uh, welcome to this week's edition of the R3 Points in Podcast. And I'm joined once again by Zach. Lucky. How you doing, mate? How you doing? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, first week of finals already already been. Mm. I don't know. Not don't know. as thrilling not as I thought. Not, not that happy. Ended on a very good note. Yeah, I tell you, big cocks, big cocks. <laughs> we'll get into that later, but big cocks. Big cocks, not so big. Big cocks was a bit uh, flaccid that day. That's just, uh... <laughs> yeah, but from, from, one, a, from a neutral, neutral, neutral perspective, not a very good start to the first week of finals. It wasn't great. Three pretty average games. The first half of the Richmond Hawthorne game was pretty good, and it yeah. ended on a very good game. That was a classic. That was a. I didn't realise the rivalry that they had. Channel 7 was sort of playing well, the never, whole yeah. the rivalry thing um, about how many finals games they've played. And they've I had no idea. They've never played a final ever. Ever. The Collingwood, like, Collingwood West Coast. Oh, Collingwood West Coast. Oh, I thought you meant Hawthorne. Richmond. Oh, did I say? No, I meant so Collingwood West Coast to mm. round out the finals. See that, that, I didn't realise what a rich rivalry. history of, uh, of finals they had. No. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you got... But let, let's start with the our first game, Hawthorne Richmond. Yeah, I tipped Hawthorne, and I feel like a right idiot. I tipped Richmond. I was very happy with my decision, although I did tip them by less than a goal. So, like, they're looking too good. Like, they look like the clear favourites that everyone mm. thought that they were. They're looking good, and they, like I said in the last podcast, that they, like, I felt like they were ramping it up towards finals, and it definitely seems that way. Like you can definitely tell. Apparently, Hawthorne's pressure, uh, number, ranking, whatever, however they worked that out, I've got no idea. Um, but apparently, it was 220 or something like that, and normally in a grand final, it's about 210. Yeah. So they were, their pressure was grand final level intensity, and they still couldn't keep up with the Tigers. That's like, they were just on another level. I'm disappointed personally because I missed uh, Dusty's goal. Oh, he yeah. from the boundary. I remember I dropped... It was an absolute ripper. I remember we were on that table and I dropped something and you're like, oh! And I look up and I'm like, what? It what? was incredible. Yeah. Absolutely amazing goal. I seen that video like earlier in the week that the AFL posted on YouTube comparing that goal with Akamanis' second Goal from the boundary for Brisbane Lions in, in the that wet. Game. Very similar goals because they're from. You called that as it happened. I said you? it as soon as it happened. I went, "That's Akamanis. That's that's Akamanis's goal that he kicked," and they're similar because they're both in the wet. Um, they're both from the same angle, um, and the AFL posted that video and sort of comparing the two. Did you have a look? Which one did you reckon was better? In terms of say the pressure. It would be, like, if you compare Apple to Apple, as in each goal individually, it would be Dusty for sure. But like, the pressure on Dustin Martin was crazy. He yes. had someone right on his hammer, and then he had someone right in front and of he him had jumping 90, up. And he had 95,000 people just, yeah. like, screaming at him as well. Well, I don't but think Ackermanis' was in a home and away game, I think. At Geelong. But yeah. the thing with Acker, he kicked one just before that. That's why he did the whole pose. Yeah, well, he did he it twice. One, like, he did it from the exact same spot <laughs> yeah. twice. So, if you look at that, Acker is better. But in terms of crazy, individual... Yeah. It's got to be dusty. I think because Ackermanis is because he did it twice that and that second time he he just sort of did that famous celebration where he put his hand over his mouth. 
it just showed the class of Akamanis how much of a freak he was that he could do something so crazy See, and then do it exactly the I same. I think you're the first again. ever person to describe to have the word class and Akamanis in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I love me some Akka, but like, yeah, on the football field, field yeah, <laughs> class and Akamanis go together like, uh, yeah. Well, you could probably say the same about Dustin Martin. But yeah, yeah. I think that the pressure on Martin was pretty immense. It was such a freak goal. But Richmond just too. seemed too complete. Like, Hawthorne did not play a bad game. They did not play a bad game. No, their forwards weren't great. And I think Hawthorne, you could say they played a really good game from the back line to the midfield. And then yeah. as soon as they See, tried to Amira, get a forward, they just Amira fell apart. Amira was probably the best player on the field for that whole game. Yeah, I thought he had a good game. Yeah. He was definitely noticeable in the first half. I think he sort of started See, when to drop was, out. When it, when it was close, he was the best player on the he field. He was right in there. In that first Mitchell, half. Tom Mitchell as well had a good first half. Um, but players off. like Burgoyne, just, who's normally so clutch, missing that goal from but right see, in front. But see, I think that comes down to Richmond's structure. See, teams were saying, they were saying before the first final that the way to beat Richmond was keep the possession away from them. Hawthorne yeah. tried that, but Richmond's pressure, they just lifted that pressure, that intensity. Well, as soon as I saw that it was raining that day, I thought that that definitely favoured Richmond because Hawthorne do like to play a possession game when it's wet like that. They can't do that, And the pressure yeah. is so high in a final, it's very hard to keep possession. They weren't able to do it. Their pressure was equal and definitely up to the challenge, but then when they had the ball, they weren't able to cope with it. Yeah, like... I thought defensively they were pretty good, though. I had my doubts about Richmond. They're basically all gone at it. Like, after that game, they're all gone at this point. But it was classic Richmond, though. Like, they just ran away with it in the last quarter, the last half, the second half. That's what I mean. Like, that last quarter, I was pretty out of it at that point. Like, where we were watching it. (laughs) Half price balls and wine. I'm not usually a wine drinker, so... Yeah, definitely the the last quarter is a bit of a haze, to be honest. Yeah, like, I remember remember a three-quarter time uh, watching... uh, my own rants limping off, and I just—I remember slapping the table, going, "Big, big," and then it turns out nothing happened. Nothing happened. He's totally fine. Like, but I just want to do a shout out to the uh, the Duke, Duke of Wellington. Was that where at Duke of Wellington? It was called Duke of Wellington. Duke of Wellington. Yeah. The Duke, down on uh, Scam Street. Scam. Scam. Palmers. Yeah, Palmers. Yeah. Not no. happy. Not, not happy. happy. Not happy. I am a Chinga Palmer connoisseur. And that would be perhaps one of the worst value chicken palms I've ever had in my life. Like, I'm going on a tangent apart from sport. I feel sport, beer, chicken palmer. It wasn't good okay. enough. It wasn't good enough. It was, what, $19 for, like, a little shitty it was, it was, chicken nugget-esque? No, it was, like, I think it was about $20, $20 or something like that, $19, $20. And they had two palmers on the on the menu called the Duchess and the Dutch. Or the, Duke? the Duke? The Duke. And, like, you would think that the Duchess, obviously, it's going to be smaller, but you wouldn't think that it's going to be... Chicken so nugget aesthetically small. And then the Especially chips when it's as only well. $6 less. Like, the chips hell. as well. I think that the most crucial part of a chicken palmer is the chips. Not the salad, not the actual chicken itself. <laughs> the most crucial part is the chips because. Nice beer battered, that's crispy, what I mean. that's what I mean. chunky like, chips. Like the first heaps thing of you, them too. The first thing you look when you get the plates, because usually the, the most obvious thing on the plate is the chips. I saw that palmer come to my table. And I saw the chips. They were still kind of white. They yeah, were the not McCain's crispy. They were golden. They weren't crispy. Was, and I was, knew from was... there that this was going to be a disappointing palmer. Like, the venue itself is really nice. Uh, half price wine. I'm usually a wine drinker, but uh, I had a couple of bottles watching that game. Like, they went down nicely, but 
Step up your Palmer game. You're on the uh, the champers. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, unique style of drunk. Unique style of drunk. Have you ever been champers drunk before? Maybe once or twice. I can't really remember. Like, <laughs> I think really that might be a reason. Hair, those yeah. I think yeah, that... but that Palmer was a fucking tro- absolutely atrocious. I thought the best part of that meal was the salad. You know, I most times yes. like, the salad's too dry and there's no dressing. Yeah, the see, salad was actually good. That, that salad and was if perfect. that's the best part of a Palmer dinner, you're you're failing. Absolutely failing. Like that too, that goes to show how much that like Richmond Hawthorne game was memorable where the biggest comment I have to say <laughs> is the uh chicken palmer before that and game. The half price drinks. <laughs> and half the half price drinks. Half price wine. Half price wine. Yeah, like it wasn't a bad game, but I did expect it to be a little more closer. Like but that just goes Started to show that Richmond day. Richmond like they're the it team to, to beat. Show, they're the team to beat. Like, Richmond, realistically, now are maybe that level above. I still yeah. reckon they can be beaten, but it will take something special. So they'll play either Hawthorne... No, sorry. Uh, they'll play Collingwood. Collingwood or GWS. Or it's looking like Richmond-Collingwood, which to me would be a dream prelim. That'd be mm. insane, those two. Mm. Because I said last week that my dream grand final... I don't know if we said this on the podcast, but I said to you that my dream grand final would be Collingwood-Richmond. It'd be awful to be living in Melbourne at that point. But, yeah, like, <laughs> but like, the the I feel the, jealous. I we're got, probably uh, gonna get bashed. <laughs> I see. I got I got friends going up to the Murray Grand Final weekend. If it's Richmond, like it won't be a Richmond Collingwood Grand Final at this point. But like, if it was, I wouldn't be able to well, go. It, this it year, looks like, like I would say we'll get to tips later. But it's yeah. looking like it could be Collingwood Richmond prelim final, mm. which would be pretty pretty massive. Well, I think yeah, it'll be the only final of the weekend in Melbourne. Hmm. That's a good point. Like if you can the other hear this, this, is, uh, this is Raina. She's just Hello, sorry. hanging, in the, hanging in the background. Collingwood supporter. Another Collingwood supporter on the show. A nervous, everywhere. woman. <laughs> Riddled with anxiety. We're going to the game on Saturday. No, Friday. Friday night. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Jelly. Collingwood GWS. I'm not jelly, sure that they'll get quite the crowd that Richmond GWS was. Though. It will be pretty amazing. I'm a little bit worried, actually. It'll be it'll be about, <laughs> going it'll to be about seventy-five thousand Collingwood supporters yeah. and yeah. seven yeah. GWS supporters. I'm probably so seven GWS supporters will like create like a like a sort of circle around each other, like a barrier <laughs> to protect themselves. Like I'm gonna get to the game pretty late because I'm working, but I've, I've got a feeling I might have to leave the game early too because I'm just gonna be so disgusting. so disgusting. I, I, <laughs> I know that this is like a tangent, but like. Kevin Sheedy was in the Herald Sun this week and said that anyone in Victoria who does not go for Collingwood should wear orange and go for the Giants. Can I just tell him right now? Well, I do have an or- I've got an orange jacket, but I don't know if I'm um, that suicidal. To- <laughs> to Why would well, I- you're not welcome in my yeah. <laughs> Why would remember who paid for your tickets, Zach. Why would I want to go for GWS when they are a manufactured club? They've had everything given to them by the AFL. They really should have yeah, won a premiership a little, by there's now. There's a little special reason that you hate GWS so much, isn't there, Lucky? Yeah, like I'm a doggy supporter, but I feel <laughs> any true football fan does not like what GWS has received over the past three years. Like, I got nothing against GWS, and this is a good segue into the next game, the Sydney game. I got no, nothing. We'll I got that, nothing we'll talk against. We'll about the Sydney GWS game now. I've got nothing against GWS personally. From, from from a sort of pure football standpoint, GWS probably had the best performance of the whole weekend in mm. terms of pure. They embarrassed But the Sydney was shocking. We both, so me bad. and you on shocking. the last podcast, we both tipped Sydney. Yep. Quite and, comfortably. and comfortably by like five goals. I think we both tipped them around 30 Sydney, points. Sydney, yeah. 
30 points. Sydney had their worst ever score at home. Two goals. Mm. They basically kicked two goals for the whole game Pretty because the, the other two goals, they kicked yeah. four for the game. The other two came at the end of the game when it was done and GWS had sort of taken their foot off the pedal. The Swans yeah. were totally mm. embarrassed. See, Sydney... And at also the SCG like again. They lost another game in the SCG. That almost sums up their season in mm. a way. Very, very good away. Terrible at home. Yeah. And they gotta, They're going to have to reassess over the off season like I don't know they got a lot of play- it looks like Henry's going to leave Rowan There's, Rowan's going to leave Nick Newman as well there's questions over Franklin's fitness he did nothing in the final um, Phil Davis shout out to Phil he Davis yeah. he won't be listening I really like Phil he Davis he had one of the best games of a defender I've ever seen he shot mm-hmm. Buddy down tremendously. it was an excellent performance mm. Buddy rarely touched the ball that mm. game Phil Davis is an incredibly underrated footballer, in my opinion. I saw it an analysis. Just, it I can't just remember what show it was. Underperforming. Yeah, it was Phil everywhere. Davis was really it good. Was I saw an analysis of his game, and what he did was he was playing behind Franklin, not letting him turn him around, which Franklin does really well, where he often gets behind the defender and then he's got an open shot at goal, and he's so quick and so. That's what I mean, if you give Buddy five steps, no matter where he is in that 50, even if And Buddy's never up, been a great mark of the ball, so to play behind him makes a lot of sense. If Phil you Davis give Buddy like five, ten metres space, he's going to at least have a shot on goal, and yeah. Phil Davis stuck to him like glue. Mm. And to me, he probably set the precedence in terms of he led from the front as a captain should do. Same with Callum Ward. There was, I can't remember the Sydney player, but I remember in that last quarter, the game was over by that point. Callum Ward... The ball was sort of up in the centre circle. Callum Moore just ran in and just got the ball and he just got hit directly by the Sydney player. Mm. It might have been, I think it might have been Hewitt that just hit him. Like, Ward like dropped to the ground and he got the handball out, but it just shows you how much they wanted the game. Sydney did not want mm. a piece of and that I think game. Because GWS were embarrassed by Sydney, I think it was four or five Not weeks. Four Three or five weeks, weeks ago? ago. Four weeks ago. It was like one of the last games around. Yeah. Two, was it? And I yeah, think that was, at their, that was at their home game. It was. That well. was when Buddy kicked six goals. Mm. So they were they were they were boot. embarrassed and they were they were coming for revenge and Sydney weren't ready and they got humiliated, absolutely humiliated. Like guys like Himmelberg, even Cameron, even though he didn't kick too many goals, had a really good game. Like the guys Toby that they got Green. back, Toby Green as well. Like he had a great game. <sighs> He's a very good fighter. I don't want to praise that man. I hate that man. I hate Toby Green. He is like, he's probably my most hated AFL player in a very long time. I haven't had this really? much like visceral hatred for an AFL player probably ever. I, reckon. I don't. I don't really hate him. I don't know why. I guess he's a really smart football player, and even with that Did kicking, s- it's not good. But it's really clever though. He's manipulating like that but was no one else. He pushed him with his foot. Like that's a, it's yeah. a push, right? Yeah. If he was an inch lower here, it would kick him straight in the nads. It's a bit dangerous. Well. I, I wouldn't be surprised mm. if the A4 brings in. That's a new what I mean. Like what about season. like they should have brought in a rule. Studs when, up. They're was, talking about the studs up. Was it last year or the year before where he he where he it's happened. Me, kicked Dalhouse in the head like full yeah, on. Like, no, yeah. No. Yeah. He got a fine. He yeah. didn't get suspended. But even in that game, he did it against. I don't know if it was that game or another Sydney game. He did it against... Alira Lear. Yeah. But he missed him. He sort of missed him. And he did it again against... I can't remember. There was, there's Basically, there's four instances That's where I mean, he's he, used his he's foot to kick someone. He's a repeat offender. Yeah. It's something that he does. He's a damn and good it's because footballer, it's a, it's a, a loophole. Pest. It's a loophole in the rules. It's really intelligent what he's see, doing. That, he's that, using see, it to his That ad, comes down to the advantage. AFL not having... There's perhaps. not a rule around it. See... 
Because in the marking contest, we can goes. talk. We can talk. Go on and on about how the AFL shouldn't bring in rule changes, like it will ruin the integrity of the game. But I feel this is a rule change that needs to be brought in. I think that's a good in. rule change. Yeah. Because it is a loophole and it is dangerous. We saw Dalhouse get absolutely fucked up. Yeah. It like really messed him up. His yeah. mouth was He's, bleeding. He hasn't been the same since. And like he literally hasn't been the same this year. He kicked yeah. two goals this year. It's not a good look. It's not really a good look. I think they'll change the rules. Yeah. Um, I think when you go up for like a specky or something, like you're allowed to knee someone, but when it comes to pushing someone with the bottom of your foot with your studs, Stubs they'll in probably. The face. I've heard okay. when I was watching 360 during the week, they were talking about that studs up rule, which is the first time I heard about like a sort of a potential rule change. And I wouldn't would not be surprised if the AFL changed the rule. I think that that should have been a free kick anyway. Well, it's a push he, because he, it's before the contest. He pushed him and he hit him with his body yeah, front absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah. Like, well, if you see the slow mo, if I did that, he, the, the push and the kick is complete before the ball even reaches yeah. his if hand. I did that, if, so if I done it with his hands, see, right. if he did that in local football or country football, yeah, especially the Dalhouse one, as soon as he did the Dalhouse one, someone from that team would come in and knock him out. <laughs> they can't do that. <laughs> someone would have jumped the fence. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like he's a damn good footballer, but he's just that he's goalie got, kicked over his head. He's got a bit of mongrel about him. He does have a little bit of mongrel about and him, and I don't think which it's a lot good of mongrel. small forwards. A good That's small I mean, like good, have. like good, like small forwards have delivered the most pests in recent years. Like you got, well, you got it's, it's almost a part Milne, of their job to try and win Valentine, free kicks. Kick. Oh, you know, like ugh. that classic, like you know, when a small forward they sort of take a mark or they get a free kick and they kick a goal yeah. and then they get in the face of their opposition and they push them over because they're so annoying and they get a free kick and they mm. kick two goals. But, it's almost the job of the small forward to get in the face of the, the defense. But, yeah, the see, Jeremy West, like he's like him coming back is huge. You know how I was saying that last podcast that the premiership window could be shut for the Giants? I feel I may have called mm. that prematurely because they looked... If you judge every team's performance, apart from maybe Richmond, they had the best performance that weekend. Yeah. There was nothing you could fault that game on. They comprehensively outplayed mm. Sydney. I'm really excited about going to this Collingwood game. I am too. And yeah. then you know what I think... I, Are you worried? I, I'm worried, but I'm also... So that like feeling of momentum that was happening in at Optus Stadium in West Coast, like yeah, like that the feeling crowd. of momentum didn't really become a thing until the fourth quarter. Collingwood was dominating. Oh, Collingwood was dominating. Quarters. I reckon oh, absolutely dominating. Let's talk about yeah. West Coast well, you got to the fourth quarter and like you know, as Big soon as West Coast like just you know started coming back with like the tiniest bit that momentum and that crowd factor actually came into it and i don't think it was a thing for the mm. first three quarters i could, you could tell feel it building like, couldn't I you could in that tell, last like quarter. you could hear it on tv yeah. because how many how many lead changes were there in that last quarter there was like a five few. yeah there was heaps see like this may sound kind of harsh i feel collingwood the- like shut the bed they should have mm. won that game yeah. They were two goals out. I think up. they were on. They were out on their. They feet. were two goals out with about three, four minutes yeah. to go, and they lost that game. They should have. I've really really been feeling all season Look, I don't though, blame that we've them, really right? been pulling it out of our ass. Mm. Mm. See, well, Honestly. it felt again. It was another Collingwood performance where injuries were a problem, and they but sort of brought players in. Season. And they nearly pulled it off mm. again. Like Goldsack had a great game. Goldsack had a ACL, and he was Hull, fucking Hull, great. That was Trelaw. that was Goldsack's first game for the yeah. year. Yeah, mm. see, is crazy. But again, he was also he was playing on an underdone Kennedy, but mm. still he was. See again, and those they four, those, yeah, those West Coast came forwards back and came into what two three goals. 
Last see, is, that's Darling as yeah, well. Yeah, so see, Darling, Darling and Kennedy, well. they, see, that last quarter. It was literally, literally, that, last, it was literally that last five minutes. Lockie, I think I messaged you in the last quarter and said that Darling was totally unsighted. And then in that last quarter, he was probably best on ground yeah. for that last quarter. That's what I mean. See, I think what Collingwood lacked, Collingwood probably would have won if it wasn't... Their forward line was very disappointing that game. They didn't yeah. have a target. Like, I know I said Big Cox was like... Mm. Was, like yeah, he was. Mm. Mason Cox was very disappointing in that yeah. game. Well, he he didn't really do anything, did he? But to be honest, and they kept talking I don't him ever too. expect a lot out of him other than just like... But he's had a really good yeah. year. Yeah, like, he has. I don't, he's he, had a surprising year for me. Oh, that the Queen's birthday game really stands out. But I don't think he's like a... He gets into the contest and he's this huge bloke. But see, what I've noticed that he is really good... He's never played finals. It's like, yeah, he's yeah. really good at... If he's not going to take the mark, yeah. he brings it down. And he didn't the, really do exactly. that very well. He didn't do that. But, but the channel, that. channel 7 highlighted what the West Coast players were doing, where they were sort of tu- almost not tunnelling him, but See, pushing McGovern, him under the flight of the McGovern ball. McGovern got knocked down in that first quarter. I thought he was like going to go off, but he came back yeah. and he was perhaps best on ground for that rest of the game. It was incredible that he second He was definitely half. quiet in that mm. second quarter after that incident. That incident. And that let Collingwood got... Get on top, the and then they, that yeah. momentum that Collingwood had from the second quarter followed on into the third. Mm. But yeah, I was surprised that he kept playing. I thought he was concussed. Yeah. So See, that's what I mean. Collingwood dominated the midfield. Yeah. They that's had the best. Of, point, it really came down to the fact, in my opinion, that Collingwood's forward line underperformed. Yeah, they did. Mm. They did. Like Mason Cox, even, like well, they didn't really have a target. Usually, yeah, they yeah. like he's usually their one target. If he doesn't bring it down, he brings it down for yeah. Dugowie. Stevenson, Hoskin Elliott. They he did that in the first quarter and most of the yeah. second quarter. But like, after three after half time, they lost that. And well, I think Mason the score Cox was so well, low. Was getting he was going up the ground a lot and being totally ineffectual and not having yeah. any impact on the contest. See, I, Maybe it would have yeah. been better if they just kept him down in full forward. So that's what I mean, like because he's yeah. such a big body, if he's in the forward fifty, if they kick it to him, he's gonna affect the play somehow. Yeah. Whether it's Shepherd or yeah, he'll bring definitely. it down. They didn't do that. Like that's why I reckon Collingwood should be very disappointed. But that I they understand lost, why they they were pushing him up the ground to try and draw McGovern and, and Hearn and yeah. out of the defensive fifty, but and that they worked for most the of the best game. Team on the day, they didn't deserve to win, but they should be disappointed yeah. that they mm. lost. That's why I reckon it they hurts. could take it a lot. Hurts. And they've got a six day break coming back from Western oh, Australia. Don't get me started on Andy Maguire having a winch. Oh, like they're always going to have. He's a He's always having they? a winch. Collingwood have. <laughs> they've the got a point draw. though. They've got a point because they've. Surely they played last, and you would think that the top four teams would play the first two games and get yeah. maximum break against their lower opposition that they're going to play next week. So you would think that if it, if one and two are going to win, three and four are going to play next but week, I, that I they would just, have an extra day's break. I honestly the think the home game is on the our side. They should really, still win, I think. But I really think the home game will be on our side. Honestly. You're going like, to have a massive crowd. There's if you going think to be West, like West Coast, seven, gi- seven Giants fans. You think tops. West Coast 60,000? Wait until you see Collingwood with 75, 80,000. See, that's, I mean, that's another question I feel I have to bring up. They, excuse me, they just built this new stadium in Perth. Have they over, Have they already outgrown that stadium in Perth? No, I think no they, they have. haven't. No, I don't think so. Because it because the, the point of the stadium is to get maximum ticket sales from the home and away season. <laughs> I thought and that they lighting was a bit much. If it was too big I, I as well, it was, it was ridiculous. I, I, don't I mind was it. just a salty, salty person though. You were pretty salty. I was not happy. 
<laughs> but I think that you have to consider that the stadium's also for Fremantle. Mm. And it might not, they probably could have gone 70,000, maybe even 80 for West Coast, but they wouldn't be selling it out. Mm. And it would, it would dull the atmosphere. And, See, and for oh. Fremantle, they don't, sell, they don't even come close to selling out. They probably get 40,000 still. To but games. when Fremantle's good, they would sell yeah, it out. Yeah, they would, yeah. But, but West Coast, even when they're not good, will probably come close to selling out yeah. that game. Yeah. They've got a wait list for their members. And, or not necessarily a wait list for members, but a wait list to get like, you know, Special seats and stuff. And yeah, stuff. Yeah, yes. like, So I think, I think it's, it's 20,000, almost 20,000 on top of the old stadium. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably but, right. I mean, that was by far the best game of the first week of finals. Mm-hmm. And it was close, but it wasn't a particularly good game of football. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, you're talking skills-wise. Skills-wise and, like, no. score and, like, it was relatively low scoring. Yeah, but like, it was thrilling. It was, it was so exciting. everything it was the so football exciting. should be. Yeah. Like, it was so exciting. But, like, yeah. I think maybe I was expecting a bit too much from all the matchups. Like, I think, like... You always do, though. Yeah. Like, let's get into the, uh, well, coming the last into game. The, coming into finals, we thought that the matchups were pretty much perfect, right? But yeah, that's what I mean. Like, let's get into the last game. Like, Including... We got egg on Melbourne our face Geelong. in this one. Yeah. We both tipped Geelong, and I'm a little bit embarrassed, embarrassed about this, Cole, because I thought... I said, quote, <laughs> Melbourne would choke. And uh, it was too. the total other way around, See, and Geelong totally choked. Melbourne, to me, like... Their tackling pressure was immense. Like, uh, this may be a big call, but they got a little bit of the uh, Bulldogs 2016 about them, I reckon. That long break, they play a very similar style. They're very, tough. Their midfield's tough. Like, they play tackling, like, I pressure, was, pressure You know what football. really surprised me, actually, talking about stadiums and crowd numbers? How many Melbourne supporters there were at that game? It looked like it was, like, 70% See, Melbourne supporters. That's what they were saying... On the Channel Seven commentary, BT is like the MCC is full. The whole they did they did like sort of sweeping shots of the stadium, and yeah. it looked red. It the whole thing that's was what, red. Yeah. See, that's what they were saying on the Channel Seven commentary. They said the MCC, even on Grand Final day, there's like one or two thousand empty seats up the top. He said that yeah, was that was that was chockers. Full. Yeah, that was uh, like completely full. You could not find a seat. Yeah, like, geez, there is not a team in the AFL that deserves a moment like that more than Melbourne. Mm. They nearly fluffed it though. Like that first, that first quarter would be one of the best quarters of football I've it seen in a long time. pretty much won the game that first quarter. Cause yeah. from there it was like a pretty even contest. But they let Geelong back. Like they, it should have been, it should have been. But a Geelong have been slow starters. They were always going to come back into that game mm. and they're too good to but be see, put away. Melbourne so should have had it won by half time. They missed some very easy opportunities. Yeah, but early in that, that fourth shocking, quarter, when Jones kicked that goal, he thought you could, just feel it. you could just feel it was done. Like the momentum was there, the roar of the crowd <laughs> when Jones kicked that goal, and that photo that See, was yeah. on the I think it was on the cover of the Herald Sun or something. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's got both both what a moment. Like, oh, in the air. That's what I mean. Like I feel they got a bit of Bulldogs twenty sixteen about them in that every supporter, they play quick. They're a quick team. They got a really good midfield. Like, the, Pressure, the pressure, like yeah, the tackling. Yeah, and that underdog, they're underdogs. Like every, like I want Melbourne to do it. I think every football fan that they're their second team at this point. Mm. They want yeah. them to do well. I'd be happy to see them in the grand final. I, I would even be saw a Collingwood supporter on Facebook saying, I'd be happy if Melbourne won. Mm. That's something like, like, yeah. See, there's an underwritten thing with Melbourne in that the Bulldogs coach before Luke Beveridge was Brendan McCartney. 
and he was known for his pressure football, mm. the tackling. And that was one thing that the the only thing the Bulldogs did well when he was there was the tackling. And that's what continued when Beveridge was there. And that's what won them the grand final was that pressure. Immense pressure. The quickness yeah. and the pressure. And he's an assistant at Melbourne now. And they have started playing like that. And I reckon that, to me, finals football is all about pressure. If yeah. you can be the best pressure team, it doesn't matter about your skills. If you can be yeah. tremendous pressure, you can beat any team. And that's why and I, I thought that Melbourne that was going to lose this game. I thought that Geelong were going to bring that pressure. Geelong had been here, done that. That Melbourne would crumble under the Mel- pressure. Geelong just but didn't you know win. who crumbled under the pressure? Joel Selwood. It wasn't just Joel Selwood. The only On player, win. the only player for me for Geelong that could walk off that game. There was three of them. The only ones that could walk off that field holding their head high, saying they could do everything that they did, was Gary Ablett, Zach Tui in that second half. Mm. Like, that long-sleeve shirt must give him, like, super or something. Cause <laughs> oh, he, that, I love it when Zach Tui gets the long-sleeve shirt. He and that, he's got the mustache. That's what I mean. He, bought he looks the long like an sleeve old school, time. like, real old-school footballer, like, from the 30s or something, wearing that long-sleeve. Yeah, I like, love he it. bought that long-sleeve out of half-time, <laughs> and he was probably the best player on that field. What are your thoughts half. on the jumper change, too? Like... It worked for him. He was the best player on that field in that second it half. It probably rarely happens that someone like switches to the long sleeves, mm. but for whatever reason he did it, like you'd think he was pretty warm at that yeah. point. He's played That's a half a, of footy yeah. that he wouldn't need the long like, sleeves. But be, maybe it's a psychological thing he's gone. You so. know what? I'm pulling out the fucking long sleeves. We're losing here. We need something special. I'm pulling out the long sleeves. I'm I mean, going like for he it. came they came back I in that third it. quarter and he was like the best on ground for that second half. Like, it'd be him, Ablett. He's a good player. He's been a really good pickup. The young guy, Xavier Henry as well. He had a very good game in that, especially that first half when Geelong were just getting absolutely rinsed all around the field. (laughs) He was the only one that looked like he was willing to take the contest on. Mm. No one else on Geelong, like, Dangerfield had an off night. Like, Mm. especially in that third quarter, he just kept whinging and giving away free kicks. You know who did stand up, though? And... I love finals because every year there's like a player that just sort of like makes a name for themselves and yeah. comes out of nowhere. It was Wiedemann for Melbourne. See, he is a very interesting situation because he might not get a game if Jesse Hogan was in the team. Yeah. And he's come in and he's been probably he just phenomenal. as good as Jesse Kicked Hogan three is goals. in that role. Yeah, he was really good. Um, and now even if Hogan comes back, they'll have to find a, a spot for See, him. See, there are rumours of Hogan... But there always it, is murmurings. There always is murmurings of Frio Hogan wanted him going a couple of years to, ago, didn't they? like they want him now. Like <laughs> yeah, of Hogan I'm sure they back. still like, want him. Yeah, they will clearly pay overs at this point they for would. Jesse Hogan. Should Fremantle Melbourne, is the perfect fit if he wants to go back home. Fremantle is the perfect fit. Should they, should Melbourne bite the bullet and accept overs for him at this point? I think they should. Like, yeah, I'm, it's a very, very small sample sample size for Wiedemann. I but, think that, but Tom McDonald has kicked fifty goals this season, and yeah, he is well, a defender. Like he's been a revelation. McDonald has been great going down for, and he, I think he went down forward a lot last year. They've too. played better as soon as he got injured. Yeah, they, like we discussed this on the last. Well, podcast. I think that maybe they would almost let him go because Melbourne's strength is their midfield, not their forward line necessarily. And with McDonald down there and a, a number of really good small forwards, Wiedemann, and they, they play small ball as well. Wiedemann in a similar in way Hogan to Richmond. Role. They yeah. play that small ball down forward. I think they would almost let Hogan go. They wouldn't want him to go, but if someone's going to pay overs and he wants to go, then they'll probably leave, let him so they can get something out. Yeah, especially like Melbourne. Hogan's look, a good player, though. That's, he's damn good, but like, wait a minute. Like, Tom McDonald, 50 goals for traditionally a defender. Yeah. 
He like Tom McDonald. I always was remember that that winning goalie kick. Was it Fremantle or West Coast over in Perth last year? I remember was I went to a North Melbourne game and all the supporters stuck around in the stadium and were watching the Melbourne. I think it was Fremantle. I want to say Fremantle, but correct me if I'm wrong. It was Melbourne Fremantle last quarter and all the North supporters, after a good win, stuck around to watch it on the screens because it was so close. And Melbourne won the game because McDonald kicked that... I think it was over his, over his head too in the goal square. Kicked like a freak goal. Yeah. Th- and everyone went crazy. All the North supporters were like that's cheering I mean, like, like they were Melbourne supporters. It was insane. It's meant, like, but McDonald's Tom been a revelation. That's what I mean. There. Tom McDonald, before he went forward, was considered one of the best defenders in the competition and he's moved up forward... And he would realistically be one of the best forwards in the competition now. Like, Melbourne are in a very good spot. I think that they can go on a run this year if everything oh, goes absolutely. right to them. But and like, the last two years, we've seen teams go on a run. Richmond and, we- and Bulldogs. the Western Bulldogs. That's, I mean, I feel this is very similar, as I said, to the Bulldogs in that they haven't had success for a long time. They play the same sort of style. It's almost like it's repeating itself. We had the Western Bulldogs hadn't had success in 50 years. Go on a really good run and win, win the premiership. Richmond similar hadn't had success in like 30 years. Mm. Go on and win that's the I mean, premiership. Could this be the year that we see Melbourne after 50 years go on to win the premiership? I mean, like, if Melbourne make it to the prelim, they'll have every every football fan that doesn't have a team still in there behind them. They'll have all that momentum that the Bulldogs had, mm. and. I like, think the problem this year is that in those previous two years, there hasn't been like a hard favourite. And this Whereas year this year, we have a hard favourite. Richmond is absolutely has to be the favourite. But you know what? Like, if, it's, if, if it comes down to Melbourne v Richmond. Grand final. Melbourne. Like, I will literally buy a scarf. Like, I'll be up there like, <laughs> I'm sick of Richmond. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of all the bandwagon fans I'll coming out of the woodwork. I'll definitely get behind Melbourne. I can't stand Richmond. But, like... I said last week I'm not ready for Richmond Dynasty. I'm not if Lynch either. goes to Richmond, I'll be so pissed off. I could not deal I with can... the Richmond Dynasty. Hawthorne was bad enough. <laughs> okay. I have to apologise to one of my best mates here, Joel. Diehard Richmond supporter. I know he's listening right now. Um, <laughs> he's very, very level-headed as a football fan. Like, he's not biased or anything, but fuck Richmond. I'm sick of all the, like, I'm sick of all the fans that, like, behind, as soon as they shit, Cannot find a Richmond fan. As soon as they're good, past couple of years, everyone is a Richmond fan. Yeah. Mm. And it sucks now because I live There's always been in a lot Richmond. of them, but they've always been miserable sods, which has been fine by me. I've had a lot of <laughs> Richmond supporters, uh, Richmond friends in the past who've just been totally miserable pricks. And that's been great. It's been great to see them suffer over many, many years. Like, <laughs> I've got no mean. apologies about that too. I would say the same about Carlton supporters right now. They can bloody stay down the bottom their whole life. I yeah, care. I agree with Carlton, actually. <laughs> Fuck Carlton. <laughs> yeah, but Geelong were just... It almost sums up their season. Like, just disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the Geelong were um, kept in it way too long. Melbourne, their accuracy cost them, almost cost them the game. But it came down to, like, as we were saying the last podcast, Geelong relied too much on the danger wood and the ablet. Mm. Well, Dan- what was it? Danger. What's it Danger called? Woodlet. Danger Woodlet. Only one of them had a good I game. Saw on, I saw on Facebook someone got a tattoo on their foot. It said Nuffies. Danger Woodlet. Yeah, it was, it was on Nuffies. Be, it I, was I, Nuffies. I thought it was going to be the best game of the round. I did too. Like, I thought yeah. that or the West Coast Collingwood game. Yeah. And one of them did turn one out to be did. damn but good. But the Geelong Melbourne game, because they played such two such close games previously, both at the MCG and at Cadinia Park, that you would think that. 
that was going to be the game of like, the round. There's one incident that I have to mention. It was where Geelong were getting all the momentum in that third quarter. They kicked a couple of goals, and I think it got down to three goals at that point. Dangerfield took a mark, or he either got a, took a mark or got a free kick, about mm. 25 in front, directly in front. And the crowd just you hear massive, and the umpire <laughs> calls a free kick back, and it was on Selwood. No, no, it was, was that, um, no, um, it was it was Hawkins. It was Hawkins. It was Hawkins, it was Hawkins on Hawkins. a side angle having a shot, and he was actually walking in. He had started his run up. Yeah. He would have probably about goal. three seconds away from having was, a shot. Uh, yeah, he would not have so. missed that goal. Like it was a gimme goal, whoever it was. Yeah, he was about twenty-five or oh, twenty meters out on a slide angle. He's and definitely gonna keep yeah, that see, goal. and then they brought it back because Selwood on the yeah. way to the bench. Well, that's what I'm saying before about the pressure sort of getting to him. You and as a leader, that is such a, a you failure. Can't you can't let that. Be that hot-headed. Yeah, but he's always see, sort of had that in his game. Like, like, but that comes down to Melbourne. Melbourne because of their pressure, they got into Geelong's head. And there Geelong, were two two players on that bound in that instance. They were coming. They were all coming off the ground. There were two Melbourne players and Selwood. And I think it was Melksham and I forget who the other one Harms? was. Harms? Harms, maybe. Harms it might have been Harms because Harms is normally... I don't know if Harms was actually tagging him that game. But I think it might have been Harms. Because Harms does sort of get in people's faces. He's a bit of a tagger. Yeah. So those two... And Melksham loves it. Yeah, He Melksham absolutely sure, loves it. They sure were both getting it. in his face. And he gave away a silly free kick. He should have known better. As a captain, as someone who's that been there a long season, time, in my Hawkins opinion. lining up for goal. Don't be a bloody idiot. Don't give away a free kick. Like, that is a rookie mistake. So, like, to me, that almost sums up their season in that they've had easy opportunities and they've just fluffed it where they shouldn't have. Mm. They've won games that they shouldn't have. Mm. And they probably should have won games where they shouldn't have. I mean, like they they lost games that they yeah, shouldn't have lost. Lost games that they should have lost, and won games that they should have won, mm-hmm. but they just haven't. Like they barely scraped into the eight in the end, and I guess it's some of their season. Like yeah. they've been hit and miss. Yeah. And Geelong have a lot of questions to ask, I reckon, of their list and their recruiting as well. Yeah. Can we have, pause it there? Actually, yeah. I'm going to take a quick break. Yeah, we'll just uh, have a quick break and we'll be right That's back. It. I think that was a uh, much-needed break there. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the thing when you're having beers while you're doing a podcast. So like, yeah. we're not really <laughs> having beers this break. time. We're having number 41 substation rum ginger on ale. Rums. We were on the beers before. Yeah, we are on the beers before. We're mixing it up. It's a little bit dangerous. A little bit dangerous. But uh, any last, last thoughts on the uh, Geelong Melbourne game? Um... No, I think we pretty much covered it. I don't know. Do you have any any last thoughts? Geelong suck. <laughs> we all know that. Really. I knew that though. <laughs> I think every, like I'd watch them. I'd watch them play. Well, is it is this... early in the season against a very disappointing Collingwood side? Mm. And it was. Was that at the MCG game? Yeah, it was a shocker. I remember that Who game because that I was there Geelong, but I was there with pure Geelong supporters and me. And if we weren't even watching it by the, the last quarter. I remember... We were just drinking beers and catching up. I remember that I finished work at 3 o'clock. Mm. And I work at Southern Cross Station, so it's not a very far trek to the G. I remember being super excited for that game. Mm. And I'm like, I'll, I'm going to go and watch Collingwood Geelong at the MCG. And I went there and... I thought it was a waste of money. Well, they've had some cracker games in the past recently. Mm-hmm. And I thought because they were both very good teams at that point. And it yeah. was such a disappointing game. I think was still underperforming. It was very early in the season. Mm. They were still but, quite underwhelming. Like, 
I yeah. thought we were going to get absolutely trounced. That's we did. Mean. Yeah. But it wasn't a good performance from Geelong. It was so scrappy. Yeah. I think we've had mean. a few wins like that this year mm. where they just haven't really been that good. But Geelong. just got the job done. Yeah, see? Yeah. You know how I was saying, like, we gave grades last week with our teams and we gave Geelong, Geelong a C. Was pretty low. Yeah. Like, it was a C basically because they made finals, like, just. It would be an F now. Like, if you count finals, it would be a solid, yeah. solid F. I don't think many Geelong supporters will be remembering this year, this season, um, for good reasons. Mm. So, yeah. It's and that's, I mean, boring. I feel this is a good segue to talk about, like, the silly season started a bit earlier well, this, it's this because year. I think the two teams we've lost this finals are down to six now. Geelong and Sydney are out. And they're both teams that have been in the finals consistently for a long time. Is this maybe the decline of those teams? And are we seeing them now start to hurt because they've been in for finals so long and they haven't been able to pick up players in the draft, like good young players in early in the draft? I think for Geelong especially, that is probably more an issue than Sydney because well, Sydney, Sydney have the academy, don't they? They have the academy, yeah. like. If you look at Geelong's recent recruitment, say say the last two to three years, they haven't really, apart from, say, Tim Kelly, he doesn't count because he was a mature-aged recruit. They haven't really recruited very... Like, Tom Stewart's probably really the only notable yeah. recent recruit. He's had a really good season. The Fijian guy, what's his name? Esan Rata... Oh, I don't know. Like, Rat, Ratagoa? Or Ratagoa? Like, I'm fucking <laughs> up that name for sure. He had a good season before he got injured in that Collingwood game. But the recruitment isn't there, and they're relying too much on top-ups, and you're yeah. already starting so to see that. they're recruiting heavily. In the offseason. Like, really going for established players from see, other clubs. See, literally two hours after we finished recording our last podcast, Dalhouse to Geelong was confirmed. Is that basically. confirmed? Like, he said not that really, he's... Not really, not officially, but... He has said that he is leaving the Bulldogs... Yeah. And the only team that is interested in him is Geelong. Yeah. Well, I saw... We said, I said that he was 29. He's actually 26. But I feel I still feel that his best football's past him. Maybe the change of scenery is what he needs. That's the kind of player that Geelong needs, like that smaller forward. But I even saw that but they had Geelong that, have been linked with Jack Stephen too. That's what I mean. Like they're linked with almost like... Even today, Stefan Martin from Brisbane is being linked to go down to Geelong. And he, that to me... A, that is actually a good pickup, though, I think. See, he's 31. He's 31. He's in the back half of his prime. If they're going to win a flag in the next two years, which is probably their window, they need someone like him. Stefan Martin but is, it, like, a good player, but he's not... He's, I don't know. He's, maybe he's a bit like a Nan Kervitz where he's actually going to be quite important for Geelong if he went there. He's See, he's tremendously... Like, he has probably been... Consistently, say, the past three years, if you look consistently, he would probably be the best Ruckman in the AFL. Yeah, he's been... And uh, back in my super, day, super coach days, he was one of the best Ruckman to pick up because he was cheap and scored a lot of points. Like, but say, like, it all comes down to the salary cap. I can't see how Geelong will fit all these so-called recruits in. Yeah, it's hard to see how they can. There's not that much salary going out. Like, they have to listed six people. But guys like Aaron Black, Stuart Cremery, they're not... That more space than you think, but then you also have to keep a certain amount of space see, for, for your keep, draft picks. See, if they're going to keep Tim Kelly, which I think that they would clearly be pushing because he is a gun player. Yeah, 
They will want he to would him. be on a decent chunk of change next year, more than what he would be on now. Is he, out of con- is he going into a new contract? or He is out of contract. He's going to sign a one-year deal. They'll definitely want to keep him. Um, I don't know. It's hard to... Well, Abbott will be gone after probably next season or the one mm. after. Probably next season. Yeah. Um, and then you've got... Um, you've got, got guys like Harry Taylor. Harry Taylor. Harry Taylor. I don't know. There's not a lot of like older players that see, are about in to the, leave and oh, free see, up space. Though. See, really maybe everyone was a bit too sort of um, overly confident with Geelong because if you look at their list, they are probably going through a transitional period. Mm. In that, How complete do you reckon their list is? Like, is it just a case that they had a bad year, or or is there I does their list actually need more work? The more I look into it, I think their list needs more work in certain spots. Mm. Well, I think they like, need even their midfield, a proper ruckman. They've got three of the best midfielders in the game, but then after that, and maybe Duncan, like that's kind of where it, there's not enough depth. There's not enough, like. Those B players coming that are playing a role, I don't think they have. That's what we said. Like they don't. And maybe have it's the because depth. they've gone too much on the top end with these gun players that then the lower end of their list, and they're that's bad. They're I probably think, their worst ten players. See, that's aren't what I mean. Good I enough. think guys like if they're recruiting guys like Dalhouse and Steven and and Martin, that's not good because especially like, like Dalhouse is a restricted free agent. Martin's still in contract. So mm. is Steven. Yeah. Those two will have to probably, if they do come to Geelong, cost them draft picks. And realistically, at least a second round draft pick they, for both. It seems like they're focusing a lot on their midfield when I think it's actually their forward line that needs a lot of work. I think it's their, their back, back line. Their is pretty good. Their yeah. back six is okay. They need a replacement for Harry Taylor as well. Cause... Well, and the problem is Harry Taylor, because their forward line's been so weak, he's gone forward. So they've actually sacrificed him from the back line, knowing that their midfield's probably good enough mm. to protect the back six, that he can go forward and play, play a role. But he's not a forward. That's and they definitely, yeah. they're crying out for a key forward. And like, look at the players they've recruited in the part of like Cramery and Aaron Black, who have been sort of Meh. second string forwards Meh. and not barely got a game for Geelong and done nothing there at the club. I don't know. I think... Like, it's meh. Like... I think their recruiting is the uh, wrong. They're recruiting. No, no, no. no. Not yet. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but, yeah. Their recruiting Long is a bit. Uh, like, Watch them over the off season for sure. Yeah. They have seen to replace North Melbourne as the uh, team that all the big name recruits are going to. I'm not to. sure about that. Oh, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, like. I think well, Sydney as well. Like, the two teams have both been eliminated. Like, Hennebury has requested a trade to yeah. St. Kilda. Rowan. And Rowan as well. He's been linked to Geelong as well. Like, uh, apparently he was cited at Arden Street too, so he might uh, be going to the Roos. To my me, brother, he's very underrated. He gets yesterday. a lot of shit, but he is a good player. Uh, I think he has a good game every, like, maybe six or seven games. He'll have a good one. And he struggles with injury a lot. I don't know what he would be demanding in terms of money. Because I think he's a good player. I think he'd be worth picking up. But if you're paying overs for him, then I'm not so sure. See, that's what I'm worried about St. Kilda with Hanover. Sydney would clearly want their first round pick. How old is Hanover? He's 28 years old. 28. Like, that's confirmed. He'll be 29 by the time he gets to the Saints, probably. Like, his best football realistically is past him. Oh, it is definitely St. Kilda. But he's still got four years of football. He's probably got two years left of 
if he can recapture that form, he's got two years left to prime football. Then he's Isn't that got... sort of the kind of player that Saints need? They need an in and under player. They need that kind of like but sort of player. Is that worth giving up? What would realistically be a top five pick this year? Is that what they'd be giving up? Is it? It's going to be a trade then. He's not free agent. He is still on contract. Yeah. Well, then in that case, I'm not really sure it's worth it. Mm, that's what I mean. Like it's like a short term game, but long term. I mean, the silly season has begun. Like it's just going to get more and more crazy. So I reckon in the next few weeks we'll definitely yeah. be talking well, about that a bit more. Definitely those clubs. It's probably too early to say they're on the decline. Well, they are on the decline from their like previous season, but they're still making finals. So you can't really say. Yeah. They're, they're really struggling. I think this is a good segue to talk about the uh, the tips. Yeah, what's coming game. up? What's what's the real important things now? Is the uh, the final? Is the semi final? So Friday night. This is going to be like I know we said this last podcast in that this will be like. That like scintillating game. You gotta stay optimistic. But th- this realistically is going to be a ripper game on paper. Hawthorne Melbourne. Yep. At the G on a Friday night, like. Well, I hate to talk about the odds, but I want to because they were so outrageous. As soon as that game was announced, Hawthorne were paying high two dollars, like two dollars seventy, something like that. Oh. Of which I can't believe. I, I can't thought... believe that either. Personally, I'm only bringing up this up because it's more about favourites. I'm thinking they're both pretty even. But I thought that again with the Geelong-Melbourne game too. I think Melbourne's going to win this game though. I do too. Like, as I said, they got a lot of the Bulldogs in 2016 behind them. The Bulldogs did beat a Hawthorne team in that semi-final. Everyone that yeah. is not a that does not have a team in the finals will be behind them. And it's it the momentum, is isn't it? It's that momentum. It's the momentum. We've seen a pressure. lot recently. I think in the last four or five years, we've seen a lot. Team two finish in the bottom four. They win the first two games of the finals, and then they fall short so in the prelim. Got, so you got North Melbourne did that twice. Port Adelaide did that in 2014. Yep. Bulldogs did that. Won the flag. Yep. Like it comes down to like momentum. A lot of modern football. Even in individual games, comes down to momentum. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of momentum swings. A lot of games now, you see teams kick four goals on the trot, then the other team kicks four or five goals in the row. Comes yeah. down to momentum. Melbourne yeah. have all that momentum all behind the, them. Yeah. Well, they've got the win and they've got the crowd, and they're going to have the crowd behind them again. But Hawthorne, they didn't play that badly on Friday night. Mm. They weren't disgraced, even though they were beaten comfortably. And. I think Hawthorne also is the kind of team where during the season I've thought you know they'll lose a game and you think oh yeah they're not that good what they might make and then finals, they come back but, the next uh, week and then they come back and then they play really well and they look scary and they ended up finishing top four somehow so I can't put it past Hawthorne putting Melbourne away they've obviously got all of the experience but, uh, the finals experience like, but I think after, like I think Clarkson here could pull something out of the hat. And all of a sudden, Melbourne is not well, playing Well, we very like may well get... We are talking about how nice the weather's been, and it has been very nice. It just so happened that on Thursday night it was raining. Yeah, that's but what But it's mean. been like... Today was another ripping day. It was so sunny. If we get dry weather football for the Hawthorne-Melbourne game, I think Haw- it's going to be very close. I think it'll be a very good game See, Hawth- Melbourne play a very Richmond style of football in that it's not possession... If you can keep possession away from them... They play a moment. They do game. look get vulnerable. Forward, yeah. So, and Hawthorne play a very possession style of football. If the yeah. weather's dry, 
they would have much more chance of keeping possession away from Melbourne. And that will definitely play into their hands. Yeah. I'm going Melbourne mainly for that momentum, but I'm teaming them by two goals. I can be a very close game. It, mm. Like, this may sound kind of pedantic, but I reckon it'll come down to the weather. It if could, it is a it dry could. game... I think even if it's wet, Melbourne can still pull it through. But yeah. I'm also going to go with Melbourne. Um, I'm going to go with my heart here. I don't like Hawthorne. I don't, I don't like I'm not ready for As Hawthorne. As a North Melbourne supporter, I really don't like Hawthorne. Um, I think they've had plenty of success. I think that Melbourne's the feel-good story of this year, or this final series so far. It'd be awesome if they could win and get into a prelim. I think that's my ideal situation is is them going over to Perth to play West Coast. Uh, so I'm going to tip Melbourne, and I'm going to be optimistic and say it's going to be another close one. So I'm going to go Melbourne by 10 points. 10 points? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very similar there. Like, hopefully. Hopefully it's a good game. Like... The past couple of years in the finals, actually, there really hasn't been that many real close games. Like, the finals, like, last year, there was mm. the West Coast poor game. That was actually... People seem to forget. That was a that very... Was, that was that a terrible of, game. That week of finals as well, that was the only game that I missed because I was at work. I was And it was a terrible and game. And all the other games were, were really skill not close wise, at all. Still, skill-wise, that was a terrible game. Like... It was but like, thrilling, but similar to the Collingwood West like, Coast, where it's not necessarily the high, most highly it, skilled yeah. and best brand of football, but thrilling. Football. I remember it was like it was like sixty-three to fifty-nine was like the final score or something. Like it came like yeah, low scoring. Yeah, but I think the next game potentially on Saturday night could be decent as well. Collingwood Giants could. I Rayner is obviously very nervous about it, but I feel that Collingwood's going to win this game. But I felt that last week going into the West Coast game, I felt very comfortable that Collingwood was going to win. And at three-quarter time, I thought that that prediction was definitely going to come through. It looked like they were going to win that game. Uh, I can't see... Jesus, actually, I don't know. Cause GWS... See, that's what I mean. GWS <laughs> were probably, apart from Richmond, the best-performing team last weekend. They were, yeah, they're so good. So they actually have the momentum going into this game. But in front of that many Collingwood supporters... I just think that that momentum will be stripped away by the momentum of the Collingwood crowd. So mm. they'll almost cancel each other out and then Collingwood should... I think Collingwood should win that See, game. See, Giants now have the big game experience. Oh, yeah. They've they been have, there a few they, times They have now. dealt with crowds. Yeah, yeah. They have dealt with, they have and dealt with always, hostile crowds. They've always got the crowd against them. Every game That's they're right, in. They're used to it by now. They're used yeah. to it by now. They, it they won't be an issue it. for them they at all. They probably love it. The kind of players that they've got on that. I think that that was a big, uh, big thing with the win against Sydney. The crowd was against them the whole game, and And they're playing in Sydney, and they should have a number of get. But yeah, so I I reckon they'll probably relish the opportunity to play in front of a big. Oh, you know, it happened against Richmond last year, and they got overwhelmed. It happened against Bulldogs the year before, and (laughs) they at their home stadium, and they got overwhelmed. Jeez, I don't know. I can't pick this game. Like I can't. I reckon like, this is game. Of, this is game of the week. This one. Game of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I think this will be better than the Melbourne Hawthorne game, almost. <sighs> like this is very, very tough. Especially because Collingwood have got six day break and they're coming from all the way across the country. That's definitely going to hurt them. Makes a big difference. I still, I still am going to go. I'll do my tip first. I'm going Collingwood. I'm going Collingwood too, but. Bare, like, barest margins. It, I'm going to be optimistic be so again, because I have to be. It's finals, and I want close games. I'm going to go Collingwood by four points. Right, the Giants 
looked really good. Collingwood looked good in patches. They really should have won this game. They will be ruining this opportunity, but this also could create a situation where they want to come out and prove themselves this week. Mm. Like, oh. Like, uh, this week really should be a good week of finals. And I, I hope, hope Collingwood get up, because I'm going to the game with Rainer and her family, so I hope that they get up for their sake and that they have a great time at the game. Yeah. It should be good. So not that much different difference this week. We'll in terms, in terms of in terms of tips, but we have to wait and see. Wait and see. Last week we had a bit of egg on our faces. We are uh, we were a bit off. I, let's. What was our tips last week? I went, you tipped Richmond, Richmond by Richmond. by less than a goal. I tipped Hawthorne by less than a goal. And then the next game, we was, both tipped Geelong. That was yeah, the real. Egg on our face for then that we one. tipped Sydney comfortably. And yeah, you then, got zero from three there. And then we both tipped Collingwood. At West Coast. Yeah, we did. Jeez, you didn't get. A single so I one. didn't get a single tip right so last week. I only week. got one. I only got yeah. one tip. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we go better this week. Yeah. But uh, I just have to give a shout out to the uh, fans. <laughs> I got a little bottle here. That was a little like, bottle? A little bottle <laughs> that was given to me by the uh, clerk at Dan Murphy's today when I was uh, buying the uh, drinks to record for this podcast. I've had over 150 listens of the uh, first week of the uh, Three Points in really? the podcast. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Very, very had positive a, feedback. Had a few feedbacks yeah. yeah very very some very Quite positive a few people feedback. say they listened to it and they enjoyed it um most people listen to like clips here and there didn't yeah they? like so this long. isn't going to be been a good length this episode yeah this is probably going to be the main length but i uh, just have a little bottle here that i'm going to uh, tear and uh pop the uh champagne so before <laughs> we leave if, you can uh, open the, the if i can if i can open the foil i'm having <laughs> there should be a little thing in here you can like there we go. There we go. Got it. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in the world world of sport? Uh, so just quickly, because there is a bit. We could probably go NFL another two hours. Week, NFL's on. My Vikings got a win, which is enjoyable. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, one of the great performances of all time. Crazy, wasn't it? Going off injured and then coming back. Was it 17 points in the last quarter? He was 17 points. The, the, I think it was when their, one of their biggest comebacks off, it ever. Was, it was 17 to zero, and then we came. It was on. 20 zero at one point, but was, in that last yeah. quarter, I think it was 17 points behind. Yeah, so we're just about to uh, pop the uh, don't hit me in the eye with that bottles thing. of Monteith <laughs> sparkling cider rosé cuvee. Gone. Fucking oh, up! Shit! Oh god! Bit of a delayed. <laughs> Shit! Oh god! Hey! hey. There nice. it is. Pull that out. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers, tremendous performance. Do you have an NFL team? Nah, like, no. this will be a bit of a preview for when we talk about overseas sport a bit more. Uh, I actually don't follow any overseas sport teams. I You don't have a Premier League team either. Don't have a Premier League team, don't have an NBA team, NFL team. Love watching it. Yeah. Don't have a team that I watch. Just like watching neutral. the... Absolutely neutral. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I have favourite players and favourite teams I like to watch in that season, but... Do you watch the tennis? I do watch the tennis. Did you like, watch the American Open at all? I watched the, uh, I watched the men's final and I watched the women's final. I didn't watch any of the American Like, women's final, like, that's very controversial. Like, I don't want to talk about that whole Harold Sun issue with the cartoon. That That's an issue for a separate day, but in terms mm. of the actual final... I thought, personally, Serena Williams was in the wrong for what she did. So I'm on the other side of that. I think that I agree that Serena Williams could have performed it. She's got a bit of a history throughout her career of not particularly being a very good... Oh, this... Good, oh. <laughs> this not, cider. Not going like, down bad. Like, 
Look, I think it's so it's not perfect. Like it's not terrible, but like it's in like a wine bottle. You expect it to be a <laughs> sparkling bit sparkling cider. Not your thing. Like like, uh, like like in all honesty, this actually this bottle represents Serena Serena Williams in that final. <laughs> it looks really good from the outside. Like <laughs> she's one of the greats of all time. This looks like a very nice. But you crack open the crack open the bottle. <laughs> First well, taste, bit bit underperformance. Serena's obviously got a history of bad moments, but I think that the umpire, do you call him a referee? No, it's an umpire. It's an it? umpire. It's clearly I an think umpire. The umpire would not be too happy with his performance. I think he misread the whole situation. I think he should be pretty ashamed of himself, and a lot of tennis players were coming out calling him out as well. But then some of them were coming out calling out that he did the right thing. Like, Yeah, I'm not so Maria, sure. I think when Nad- both players end up in tears at the end of the game, the umpire has to have a, a good hard look I at I think that was more that Serena Williams knew she fucked up and knew that the crowd was like... Serena Williams definitely spat the dummy and the crowd was like, not happy. I don't want to get too much into the whole after the game stuff where she was calling out people. She's going to lose anyway. I don't think that that was the right thing to do and I think she was just deflecting it. Like, mm. it'd be different if she didn't have a history of this and she has. Yeah, well, at, and at the US Open And too. at the US Open too. At the too. US Open a few, I think it was two years ago, she told a lines woman that, that she was she going would, to kill her. No, that she would shove the ball down yeah. her throat because she called her on a foot foul. So... Look, like, she's got a not got a great history. No one really, apart from sort of thing. apart from Naomi Osaka, who would have won anyway. No one comes out of this looking good. Oh god, that is a bit shit. That side. yeah. No wonder they fucking. The no wonder they gave it to me for free. Yeah, like, well, no one wanted it, obviously. Uh, th- shout out to Monteith Sparkling Cider Rose Cuvee. I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I'm not very good with uh pronunciations, but stay away, stay away. <laughs> also, I do want to talk about. The Premier League, which has just gone on a roll, we've played three games, and then all of a sudden we get an international break three weeks in lo- when we just had the fucking World Cup. I don't want to watch it. International I'm actually, a, I'm actually a big fan of this uh, new oh. UEFA Nations no, League. No, I'm not. I'm not a fan of disrupting the flow of the Premier, especially this early on. It's only played three weeks. We're not even a month in, and all of a sudden everyone's getting two weeks off to go and play international football, and we just had the World Cup like a couple of months ago. But it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. But did you see any of the Nations League? No, I didn't watch any of it. To me, it adds a sense of importance to... I don't disagree with the format and having that league. An international break that would always be there no matter what. It's too early. It's too early. Have it a bit later on. Let the players get some form at club level and let the, the... the league sort of get some flow to it before you disrupt it all again. And just... to, like to be fair with that Nations League, some of the team, some of the teams, especially that second, because a lot of them played a first international friendly and then played a Nations League game. You can see with Croatia, Croatia fielded maybe not a second eleven, but well, a lot of a their lot key of teams players. Would have done that. They would have played sort of untested see, or players who don't normally get a, a start who come mm, off the bench, and they would have played a lot. See of those that sort of first game where, like in the Nations League, where Croatia lost six 0 to Spain. Tremendous performance by Spain, but Croatia were missing a lot of crucial players. It sort of undermines the le- the new idea. I think we truly won't see the benefits of this new Nations League until, say, January or March mm. by those international breaks. So, do you know how it works? How does it, how so does it work? So, there is, 
there's League A, League B, League C, League D. And it goes by um, your ranking in the FIFA. And, they're se- and the leagues are separated into groups. And at the end of the season, the bottom teams in, say, League A would get relegated. The top ones from League B would get promoted. And I think, especially with the lower teams, I think there might be a Euro 2020 spot up for grabs. Right, okay. So, League, a is, League a is the top teams. League B is, like, the next level below. Yeah. Then League C, League D, etc. It's going to affect rankings where, you know, you always sort of have a team from lower, the lower ranking, say, like, 50 or so. Yeah. And then they, through the course of a year, they shoot right up into, like, the See, top 20. That is that going to be able to happen with this new format? Maybe not, because Iceland is a very good mm. sort of example of this because they're actually, because based on their recent performances... They're in League A, and they got embarrassed their first game, and they yeah, got well, beaten. They got beaten strongly point. by Belgium in their second game. It may have come down to just momentum and like form that they were. I think good also in the Euros. Iceland, they they come and they play the tournament. They like, and what I mean yeah. by that is they, you know, you come into a tournament, you got a group stage, you got three games, yeah. and they play to get through that group, and maybe you only need one win and a draw to get through the group. Whereas when it comes to a league, they're going to have to be more consistent and Yeah, see, because this is the Champions League style where there are groups, but they play each other twice, I think. Like, yeah. don't quote me on this. Well, how this big is are the groups? Is it split four. into four? So four. five groups of four, is that Or right? something like that, yeah. Four like, there's five, 54 yeah. teams spread over... 54 or 55 teams spread over four leagues. I think... And league, then, what, yeah. so the groups, the winners from the groups, do they go on and play a knockout style? I think so, yeah. And the winners get a guaranteed Euro spot. Yeah. And I think the two from each lower division I don't know gets... how I feel about it because we've got the big tournaments. We've got the Euros. We've got World Cup. We've got the Africa Cup of Nations. We've got the Asia Cup coming see, up soon. I can see why they did it. Because Do we it really adds... need more competitive international Because football? it adds credence to what would be meaningless Are they still friendlies. considered friendlies? I think... I'm not sure. They might be in I think terms of FIFA. Te- the way it sounds is they probably still friendlies, but it's like, just a different format. They're replacing the friendlies in that yeah. they're just the international friends yeah. they're replacing the friendlies. It's just in a, in a more competitive format, I suppose. Which I think is good, but... Okay, give it give it a year and we'll see how it's going. Yeah, uh, like as we said, like, Chinks need to work out, like Iceland especially. Iceland, I reckon, they're clearly out of their depth in Liga with like England, Belgium, France, yeah. Netherlands, Spain, Jeez, gonna, Portugal. Be, I'll be surprised if they win a single game. Yeah, like they've overachieved the past couple of years. Like they're going to drop down, but yeah, like they've been phenomenal the last couple of years. Mm, like, but it'll be real good to have the Champions League starts this week as well, which would be real good. Mm. Mm. Yep, can't wait for Champions League to get going. Um, yeah. yeah well, I not think that rugby league. <laughs> not well. I never, I never watched the rugby league. I never watched the rugby grand league. Final, like, maybe a couple. Apparently, of the greatest rugby league game of all time happened on Friday night, and never saw a bloody second of it. So, that's all you need you to know the, about. I watched the highlights. I haven't even seen the, the last, highlights. The winning try from, well, not the winning try. The try to get the scores level from Melbourne Storm was one of the best tries I've ever seen. It was, in, it was, it was insane. It was mm. crazy. They were just, they just willed their way into the touchline and then somehow managed to get the winning field goal. It was pretty it was pretty exciting. If if games were played like that more often I could really get into league. But yeah. most of the time it just seems like it's just <laughs> uh, big dudes running into each other. 
Yeah, like, there's uh, a lot of that. There's one thing I have to probably mention, like, right before you go, is uh, Andre Pirlo. Mm. Rumoured to come play in the FFA Cup for a uh, local side, Avondale. Madness. FC. Madness. Total madness. Like, when I saw I will see, was yeah. probably coming to Australia, I thought it was definitely going to be an A-League team. Probably Melbourne City, given that he played for New York City. Mm. So and they're all owned by the same group. Crazy that he'd be going to some local club just to play one game in an FFA Cup Like, game. I really want him to come, but I believe it when I see it. Sort of yeah, thing. I don't believe it's actually going to happen. It'd be amazing if it did, though. Yeah. It'd be awesome to see him play on Australian soccer, yeah. even just for one game. That's what I mean. And he's 38 years old. 39. Yeah, well... He is technically retired, too, by the way. He had his testimonial earlier this year. Crazy. Mm. Speaking of crazy, like, I know I said this was one last... This is another thing i got to mention. The uh, Australian test selection before... Oh, yeah. ...their new tour. I think it's playing Pakistan at the uh, UAE, United Arab Emirates. Dark days for Australian We're going to get spanked over there, and we normally do even with a strong test team. So. I think we are not... I think this is a sign to come for this summer. It will not be a good summer for Australian I don't Australian know. I think that we often go away and we lose and we get humbled, and then we come back here for the summer, and we usually tend to dominate on home soil, as most test teams are, I think, yeah. It's not a very... India is one of the best teams going around, and they got spanked over in England. Who is admittedly a very good test team. Yeah. Like, it is definitely not the strongest team. Tim Payne as a captain. test captain. I kind of like Tim Payne as the captain. He has the highest test average <laughs> at surprising. 42 of the whole team. And surprising. it's a bit sort of I have no doubt false. we're going to get absolutely smashed over there. Mm. Like, they've selected people that really haven't been. Like, Peter Siddle has not been on the I radar. It's, it's, still, it's so disappointing that Pakistan aren't playing games at home. Yeah, it's fair. It's not good. Like it's such a shitty situation where they have to go away. They're playing away games essentially. Yeah, like you got you got you got Payne, the Marshes, Kawaja, Lions, Stark. They're really the only. The bowling lineup. Well, over there, the bowling lineup I think is really going to struggle. We don't mm. have enough turners of the ball. But see, I think back home, Lyon. I think we still have one of the best bowling attacks in the world. But see. Hazelwood and Cummings are under an injury cloud. They're not going overseas. Yeah. That could be an issue in the summer. But that might just be a case of them. But see, there's also is a lack of bats. True. Yeah, the batsman is. See, Mitch Marsh would be probably the fourth or fifth best batsman in that squad. And until this summer, Rui did have some sort of performances. We had Warner and Smith in the side. Often we were collapsing around Smith, and Smith was scoring a lot of goals. Or yeah, a lot of goals, or a lot w- of runs. So, and it was the Talons. It was that lower half of the order, yeah, the like, ball Stark, is like Stark, yeah, Lion, Even that were, yeah, that were building around him. Yeah, like it would just be very, like, brace yourselves, cricket fans. I don't think, in terms of I- international cricket, it will not be a decent. It will not be a dominant summer like it was last yeah. year. Thoughts on Channel 7 taking over the cricket rights? Oh! Like... <laughs> See, my... I don't have an issue. I don't have... I'm not the biggest fan of the Channel 9 commentating team. But it's my tradition. biggest issue... It's tradition. Is, are we going to get that sound of summer? That 
that cricket theme. theme. See, anyone that theme is actually on Spotify. This is a uh, pro tip. Surely that the rights are owned by Channel Nine. It's actually not made by Channel Nine. It's actually a song that they selected. Is in the Channel Seven going to get? They potentially could. It's like anyone that searches That's on Spotify. That's my biggest issue with the whole switch of. New podcasts. Horizons by Brian Bennett is the uh, Channel Nine cricket song. It's actually three minutes long. It's actually an extended piece. Like, they are making the right choices with commentary. Like, they're getting a lot they of the channel... They brought a couple of the Channel 9 guys over, didn't they? Channel 9 guys, Channel Channel 10 guys for the Who Big they, Bash. Yeah, for the Big Bash. Um, Which is good. So I don't think there's going to be too much of a difference. Who have they brought over from Channel 9? Was it Tubby and Slats? I, I think it might just be Slats. Just Slats, okay. Because a lot of them have gone over to Fox Sports, who are doing a Fox yeah. Footy-style presentation for the summer. Yeah. But... This may be a bit of an outward call. I would not I mean, be... Channel, sub- generally, Channel 7 does a good job with their sports broadcasting. I feel that when the AFL rights become available within the next two years, Channel 9 will push, push very, down. very hard for the AFL rights mm. as a retaliation to Channel 7 because traditionally... Well, so if they football, don't have the cricket rights, they're gonna, they should... That's what have I mean. money in the pocket, you would think. They've already gotten the tennis from Channel 7, which has been traditionally Channel 7 for like 40 years at yeah. this point. Traditionally, it's been Channel 7 has the football, Channel 9 has the cricket. And now Channel 7 has stepped on that turf. Well, I still remember when Channel 9 did have the football. They did have very long. There's actually a very, very funny story with the uh, Channel 9 uh, football. This is going to be a tangent here. But uh, when Channel 9 bought the football... They partnered with Channel 10, as everyone remembers, and the rights that they bought did not include the AFL finals, or the, like any of the finals or the grand final. And when Kerry Packer, Kerry Packer found out that they bought the rights to the AFL, mm. and they told Kerry Packer, who was the Channel 9 president, older listeners would know Kerry Packer, a very, very powerful figure. Mm. Basically saved people cricket. people would know the name, I think. Is that... He's basically saved cricket. Kerry Packer like in terms of World Series, like World Series cricket, like that, that's a topic for another time. But as soon as Kerry Packer found out that they bought the AFL rights, but they didn't have rights to any of the finals or the grand final, <laughs> he fired the man <laughs> that bought the rights. He did not get why they paid five hundred. They paid yeah. four hundred million dollars for yeah. basically the Friday night game and the Sunday afternoon football. Like that is why probably Channel 9 to this day probably hasn't bought back into football but I do feel that due to Channel 7 entering the cricket landscape there mm. will be retaliation but that's a story for another day like we Channel could not- 7's making a real big push to be the sport channel though aren't they they've got the cricket they have the tennis it's gone they had the Olympics they have the Olympics still they have the Olympics still see the Olympics the were on Channel 9 and they got them back yeah like they've lost the Melbourne Cup too Channel 10 but traditionally, that was Channel 10, actually, the Melbourne oh, really? Cup. Until the last 10 years, it was traditionally Channel 10. Huh. Like, to be fair, we could talk about this for hours, but I feel <laughs> we got to leave at this should point. Should wrap this up, shouldn't we? Uh, this was a good good episode. Uh, three points good. in podcast. Like us on Facebook. Tell your friends. We'll see you again shortly with uh, the wrap-up for the uh, semi-finals, anything else in the sport world. Pleasure again, Zach. Always a pleasure. Let's finish this uh, disgusting uh, cider rosé. <laughs> we'll try. And uh, we'll see you later, Cobbies. See you guys. See you next time.